give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst, the Draft Dack NBA Draft Podcast. Uh, here with the season finale, wrapping up the 2022 NBA Draft. My name is Corey Tulliba, joined, as always, with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, what is going on, dude? We made it. We actually made it last week felt like maybe one of the wildest weeks of my life and it felt like we had nine million things going on all at the same time but we're here and it's crazy like i didn't even realize that this was the season finale like as you were saying it um it's incredible because this is already the second time that we're doing a season finale episode we went through last year's draft cycle too so just feeling blessed man feeling blessed feeling thankful and uh excited to uh get to a strong close to our season yeah, man, that was uh, the draft stream, which um, was presented by NBA Top Shot, which if you go to the stream and you still want to sign up for NBA Top Shot using our link and, you know, buy a starter pack, that would be dope. Uh, it it was such an amazing experience. The support that the community gave us tuning in live, staying with us through the entirety of the show pre-show a half hour before all the way through the end of the show. I mean, it was an almost six hour stream. And Unreal. we had, you know, uh, an incredible amount of people rocking with us the entire time. Uh, producing it was insane. <laughs> I, like trying to do host duties and producing it was a lot, but um, it was worth it because the way that we set it up where everybody got to shine and we got to rotate guys in and have all these differing opinions on the show. It was super cool, unique. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that I'm I'm looking forward to doing uh, next year as well as we finally make our way into the 2023 draft. But your boys are going to be at uh, at Summer League, and we're going to have a lot of content there. So we're going to bring back Summer School for the Draft Act Pod. You know, which we did uh, last yeah. year, which was fun. Little little uh, swerve on the Draft Act theme, give you a little school mm-hmm. sessions, um, and we're going to do it in person with the No Ceilings crew. It's going to be dope. But let's wrap up the. 2022 draft a lot of twists a lot of turns let's start at the top um obviously everybody thought jabari smith was going to go to the magic uh he is instead heading to houston at the third pick because paulo boncaro heads to the magic with the first overall pick boncaro's odds on all the gambling sites swung in a major way in the day leading up to the draft and up until the last minute uh everything was up in the air however if you go back and listen to the draft act wild card mock draft that we did with tyler rucker you will notice that we nailed the first four picks in that mock draft so um that's why i wanted to do the mock the wild card mock because as crazy as it seemed something that we preach all the time about the draft is that we love the uncertainty of it we love the Uh, chaos that draft night brings because for as much as consensus feels like consensus throughout the process come draft night it turns into just anything goes no holds barred and everything you thought goes out the window and that's what happened and paula went to the magic uh was that the right move albert (sighs) 
I guess it's a TBD for now, right? <laughs> um, I, it's hard, Corey, because for me, ultimately, I think just even a couple of days heading into the draft, I think where my head was at and what I started to think was as much as I have Chet, I had Chet as number one on my board, there was a clear case that you could make for all three guys to go number one, whether it's Chet, Jabari, or Paolo. So, I, look, I, I don't hate it. Um, I don't, for me, once again, I still would have taken Chet number one, no problem. But I, I also understand why they did it. And we've, I mean, we just went through how many months of breaking down these players. And Paolo is clearly a very good basketball player. And I think he's going to be great on the next level as well. So in my opinion, I don't think there's any real risk of him being a bust. Now, of course, we never know. There's always injury. There's always circumstance, situation, fit, blah, blah, blah. There's so many different factors that go into how a player's career turns out. But at this moment in time, I can't hate the pick. I understand why Orlando did what they did. I know a lot of people have brought up like, all the stuff like, why don't you bring him in for a workout? Why, why do you draft a guy that never saw your building or never really talked to your coaches, blah, 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 which I, I really understand either. I'm sure there's a reason and a purpose behind it. Would I have done it that way? Probably not. Uh, but I, I don't hate the fit. I think Paolo can easily play with Franz Wagner. I, I, I think I read somewhere they were like worried about the fit and I'm like, mm, I think they're okay. But they're both really intellectual, like really cerebral players can both really pass the ball and play off each other. I think it's going to be good. So um, my long answer to that, Corey, is I, I think it's a good choice is what I want to say. Uh, I still think that they should have went Chet. Just I yeah. think Chet's the best player. I think he's got the highest upside. I think he even arguably has as high a floor as anybody else. Um, I don't think he's this low floor guy just because he's skinny. But we've gone over that. And uh, Paulo was the number two guy on my board. And, you know, I wavered on him at times just because, you know, I didn't love his work rate all the time. I didn't love the effort he gave all the time. And that stuff that dated him back to high school, it, you know, he would go in and out, he would settle, but he's also not the type of guy that plays selfishly. You know, he's not, um, you know, a chucker. He's not one of these these guys who needs to hunt for shots. He still gets his stuff in the flow of the offense. It's almost like you want him to actually take over the offense more at times, if anything. Uh, I think that, like you mentioned, he and Franz are great building blocks. To me, those are really the only two guys I care about now on that franchise. Like I still believe in Jalen Suggs. I think he's going to be a good piece. Uh, Wendell Carter is on a great value contract. They have a, a ton of good pieces, but now I think that, you know, if Paulo's really going to be your number one guy, your building block for the future, the guy that you think you're going to build your whole team around, I want to start seeing them not kind of grasp onto this thing where like we have a bunch of young guys that we're married to because we, we drafted them in our system. Like it's okay to move off of guys early and get guys in who are still young, may still have potential and, and fit the direction of your team. Uh, because I don't think that Cole Anthony's a, a long-term piece. Suggs is going to have to shoot it better to prove to be a long-term piece because I don't trust Franz yeah. or Paolo ultimately to have enough shooting in that front court. They can both shoot it, mm. but I don't think they're, you know, good enough shooters to be like we we can you know yeah. sacrifice shooting from other spots. Right. Uh, Wendell Carter he started shooting it more, but are you ever going to trust him to knock down threes at a consistent level? Probably not. Uh, you know I. So now I just want to see them build out in a really smart way because the team ultimately doesn't make a ton of sense to me as, as constructed, but it doesn't have to, because they, 
Yeah. They basically got a reset with last year and this year that they can restart their rebuild. Um, Jonathan Isaac to me is, uh, I, what yeah. podcast was it? Was it one of the podcasts they were, Oh, it was Rosillo. He had the GM of the magic on and yes, apparently he just got another surgery, Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> so yeah. like I, to me, I, I'm not worried about him. Uh, he's the odd man out there in that front court and who knows if they're going to be able to recoup any value. He's probably going to turn into a negative asset, even though he's like a phenomenal defender when he's healthy. I don't know, but they need to build out the team in a smart way. In my opinion, because Paulo and Franz is like a really legitimately awesome top two building blocks with size and versatility and like big wingy guys. So in that respect, I like it. I still would have gone, I still would have gone Chet, but with that said, you know, like mm-hmm. the Thunder got Chet and I, that's just, they got a phenomenal haul. The Thunder got a phenomenal haul. I mean, we could t- cover that. We don't yeah. have to go pick by pick. The Thunder got a phenomenal yeah. haul through and through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corey, really quickly, um, you dropped some bombs there. Uh, first off, <laughs> uh, definitely, I, I definitely agree with you. And the Jonathan Isaac thing, I, I think uh, I read some reports that, uh, his wrist is hurting from writing his book. Don't know yeah. if that's accurate or not. Um, also, someone in the chat just uh, mentioned something that you just kind of threw in there in passing. A Cole, not a long-term piece, which I, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, Charlotte I actually, I, I kind of really love that you said that because I've been feeling kind of the same way. I think there are real question marks with Cole Anthony. Um, I don't think anybody should be so quick to be like, yeah, he's a rock solid building block of this team in the future. And, and the way that I like to think about it, Corey, as like kind of an analogy here, I think a lot of times this happens in baseball where you get really caught up in your team having like a strong minor league system and you have all these prospects coming up and you are just married to them. And you don't realize that maybe 50% to 75% of these top high-end prospects end up becoming absolute bust and never actually pan out on the major league level and i think teams have to be smart and strategic in in terms of not being married to their quote-unquote homegrown players like like in baseball and i think what you're talking about with orlando they have a lot of these younger guys that they've drafted that they believed in at one time or another and even this summer like guys like mo bamba it's it's gonna be like hey what do you do with mo bamba now Right. And then you just mentioned, right, Jonathan Isaac, a guy that they drafted really, really high. Uh, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, all these guys are guys that they used premium picks on. So I I definitely understand that. But I also agree with you that you have to be smart about how you build this out. You've just invested the number one pick into Paolo Banquero. You found a gem in Franz Wagner last season. Now, how are you going to go about building around these guys if you view them as building blocks? So I think the question that you're asking, Corey, is really, really smart and important. And I think, and I do wonder, I do wonder if Orlando is going to have is going to be able to make those necessary moves to build around those young players. I don't know. I, I don't want to predict the future. I don't know. But uh, and then just kind of going off of what you put on at the end, uh, love what Oklahoma City did. I 100 percent agree. And I think we should talk about it. All right. Well, uh, let me kind of expand on my Cole Anthony. Thing. Sure. Cause, sure. Cause I think that Cole Anthony is a good young player. But I think that what we've seen over the course of the last two drafts is that small guards are just not the wave anymore. Like, you know, and Cole, it's not like Cole was a top five pick. Like what what do you go like 16th or something? You know, like, so I it's to me, it's the marriage. It's like 
if Cole can go fetch somebody who's just a little bit better of a fit because the team wants to bet on Cole Anthony's potential, great. But do I think that Cole Anthony is going to all of a sudden turn into Damian Lillard and have that kind of impact? I don't. He's not that kind of shooter. Um, I like Cole. He's feisty. He's probably a better passer than you give him credit for. He's a good athlete. He rebounds. Like he's a good young piece. But at the end of the day, if you're ha- if you have a winning team, like a legitimate winning team that that is going far in the playoffs, he's a bench player. You know, and and maybe he's he could be a Jordan Poole microwave guy. Maybe he can. I'm not mm. ruling that out, but I don't yeah. think that's happening on the magic. You right. know, like Jordan Poole is he developed that way in the Golden State Warriors system, learning from veterans and championship level teammates and coaches. Right. The magic are not there. You know, if Cole gets traded and he goes somewhere, sure, he might be able to swing a playoff game or two with his, you know, with his scoring, his penetration. Absolutely. That's, I don't question that. I just don't think he's a fit on the magic long-term. I think he's somebody that you would be better served to go get a piece that fits better. Bigger guards that could space the floor, keep the ball moving, just, or an asset or an asset to to load up and one day get that. Right. I, I think the magic are actually going to be okay next year. Like, I, I don't think they're going to fight for a playoff spot, but I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Like they have some, some pretty good talent. And I like Markel Fultz and with him playing, potentially a full season Paulo, you know, that is, um, and Franz with another year, like Wendell Carter is a year older. I, they got some, some guys on that squad, Mm -hmm. but uh, to me, like guys like Cole, guys like RJ Hampton, they're fine to have on your team, but eventually you're going to have to replace them. You know, the, the Knicks are going through something similar, right? Like Knicks, the Knicks fan base (sighs) for the last six months have been, IQ is a point guard. Quickly's a point guard. He's our point guard. Point guard of the future. Point guard of the future. And if you said anything about that, you were mm-hmm. like basically berated to yep. no end. Except yep. now the Knicks are trying to sign Jalen Brunson to be their point yep. guard of the future. So right. is quickly going to play next to Jalen Brunson? That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. Or is he just idea. potentially a good bench guard? Yeah. I think he's potentially a good bench guard who can impact Me games too. off the bench. I don't know if the Knicks are going to be that team ultimately at the end of the day, but like, the Knicks are trying to get an upgraded point guard. I would be doing the same if I was uh, an Orlando Magic fan. But as far as Chet, Jalen Williams, our guy, shout out, rocking the, the No Ceilings merch. Let's go. Um, the shot on Usman Jang and then Jalen, other Jalen Williams from Arkansas in the second right. round, which I think is a good flyer. <laughs> Their draft, to me, they they won the draft. They got my mm. the best player in the draft. They got one of my favorite guards in the draft who I've, you know, I've comped to shea gilgis alexander so right you know maybe they see similar uh things out of him and I, I think those guys could play together and then they take the the home run swing on uzman jang as this new age wing that could pass triple shoot I, phenomenal just phenomenal result for the oklahoma city thunder I, that's that's how you do it yeah yeah no i agree man i agree and it's funny because the jay lynn williams they got at the end is such a I'm not like the biggest Jalen Williams fan, the Arkansas one, but I also understand the reason why they picked him up too, because he's so different from Chet in terms of like body profile and the way he plays too. So like maybe they're just looking to add like a little bit of this is messed up, like maybe a little girth, you know, a little size, a little strength and toughness. A little like Nick Collison-esque play. (gasps) That is such a good one. Yeah, Collison is a great comp because I I think that's kind of what they were thinking, you know, because Chet, obviously, look, you and I have never defended Chet. We've never said that Chet was 300 pounds, right? We understand that he's a little little slender. I get it. But 
uh, adding a guy like Jalen Williams, who has some more size, more girth, I think makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, our guy Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, we're both extremely high on. And for them to grab him at 12, which I wrote in my piece on him, I was like, hey, the Knicks at 11 should take a shot here. And it wouldn't be too high. And I actually had people come at me at Twitter saying, like, oh, he'll never go that high. That's too high. And I'm like, well, hey, guys, he went 12. So you tell me if I was that off base with with that evaluation. But um, I think he's going to be fantastic. Jang, as you mentioned, Jang, you were you you were so high on Jang. So um, I I can, you know, once again, I get that. And Chet's phenomenal. So um, they did a great job, man. And it's like and I think once again, like I know, Corey, I know definitively that the Knicks have some sort of plan. Uh, but still, like me being somebody who covers the draft with you with no yeah. ceilings, it's still kind of frustrating as a fan to be Deflating. following. Yeah, it's my favorite team. And I just covered eight a hundred plus prospects in this class, hoping that the Knicks would get one of them that I enjoyed. And they took actually sorry, they took heels in the second round. But you know what I mean? Like one of the yeah. top guys, I was, ho- I was hoping they'd grab them. But something I- I've been saying, and I really do believe this, Corey, and maybe you, you can kind of you know back me up here. In my opinion, I really think they only had they only really rated uh Jaden Ivey and um and Johnny Davis in that like stratosphere of guys that they can target and go get. And when both of them were gone by eleven, I think they were just like, All right, we're out, is what it mm. feels like. Which is look, it, it it sucks because it's an exciting night and you yeah. want to come away with a prize. You're going to the fair, you're shooting the hoop. And yeah. you just want to see one go in so you can walk around with a teddy bear. <laughs> but sometimes at the end of the night, what the fuck are you doing with that teddy bear? It's just <laughs> taking up space and you want to get rid of it. You know, like, so, if you, so if you don't believe yeah. in any of the players that are left on the board, then trade out and get some assets. I think yeah. that's fine. And look, the Knicks are, they opened up cap space. Should they... I don't want to touch on the salary dump aspect. I yeah. think that that was a pretty hefty price to get rid of, of Kemba's deal. There's probably other ways, in my opinion, they could have, you know, moved off of Kemba, but <sighs> the Knicks, if they get Jalen Brunson, it's a little bit more defensible. And mm-hmm. ultimately look to me, the move is clear. They are no. acquiring assets for Donovan Mitchell. Hmm. They're 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 acquiring picks to move for Donovan Mitchell. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is going to request a trade this year. Yeah, I I think that they might move off Gobert, but if Donovan Mitchell ultimately ends up requesting a trade, and they just hired uh, Will Hardy, I believe the Jazz, yeah. right? Was that Utah, the news yeah. today? Which I mm-hmm. think you know is probably a move that uh, a lot of the the young guys are excited about. He's a very well respected guy. A year from now, they're going to have all those picks. They're going to have whatever future picks they have. They have a ton of assets. They have some pretty decent young players. And I think they just are accumulating asset, asset, asset. Now, whether, you know, Jalen Duran would have been a better asset than one of those picks, who knows? I guess we'll see. Time will tell. But I understand it. It's just, it's a little deflating when you have a lottery pick and you don't actually end up picking a lottery pick. But what is everybody saying about this draft? Most people, there's a lot of people who the opinion on this draft is that they just were a little bit out on it. You know, like it was quote unquote weak. We like the depth on it. We study it the whole year. We like a lot of guys. But uh, for teams, maybe they were looking at Jalen Williams and going, 
eh, do we want to develop him over mm. Quentin Grimes, who we like a lot? Right. You know, how many minutes is he going to get? Now, again, I I don't abide by that. I think he probably could have played point guard in, in lineups with Quentin Grimes and RJ and, Bingo. and whatnot. Agreed. But, you know, that's a, a different argument. That If they don't believe and they didn't see the same things, that's fine. There are other people who did not think that Jalen Williams was a lottery talent. We did. Right. You know, right. we did. But I kind of see what they're doing. It's now it's just going to be it's TBD. You have to, you know, see the long term vision and see how it turns out. Exactly. Right now, it might not look that good. Um, yeah. So that, that's how I feel about the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just really quickly, um, they came out with a bunch of rumors today about DeJounte Murray, too, which I don't get. Why would S- San Antonio move off of a 25 year old player who went like 1999 last year? But who knows? Anything's possible, I guess. Yeah, uh, anything's possible. DeJounte Murray, though, you know, he's he's very good. I'd freak like, out. I'd freak out. <laughs> he's he's very good. So, you know, uh, let's let's uh, go to the chat. If you're here, make sure you throw your boys uh, a thumbs up. Hit us with that like button. Um, I make music wants to know about Jaden Hardy. We will get to him in a little bit. Uh, still Knicks fans. What's good guys. Salute to the chat. Salute to the entire no ceilings crew. Congrats on everything. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Mino F nice cut, Corey. Thank you for noticing. Makes me feel good about myself. Did it myself. Uh, um, who else we got? Gregory Castillo told y'all Knicks fans have to have a package for DeJounte ready. So Gregory told you. Ryan Gibbs or Rain Gibbs, uh, sorry. I need more McBride minutes. A lot of Knicks fans feel that way, man. And uh, Charlotte fan DH Spurs want Wemby. That that would be the reason that you you move off wow. of Dejounte, right? That you want. Wow. I started watching some uh, some Victor's tape. <laughs> started watching it. I've watched. Yeah. I've, I've probably gone through like four games. <laughs> I, I I have thoughts, but I I don't want to. I want to formulate them when I could have a, a full dialogue and okay. I, you know, I got to iron some stuff out because he is one of the craziest things <laughs> to look at and watch. And he's like young in a lot of the games. You're, he's like really young in a lot of the games. You're watching. Yeah. I got to catch up to you. There's a lot to un- unpack with uh, Victor Wimbayama, the favorite to be number one in the 2023 draft rockets get Jabari Smith. I love it. Yeah. I love Jabari going to Houston um, and you know, Jabari ended up fourth on my board. He was a guy that I've wavered on throughout the course of the season. Sometimes I, I was like, why? Like I, he's probably my number one energy intensity, little things like yeah, that stuff. Is, I, I love all that stuff so much. Mm-hmm. I value it so much. Uh, obviously one of the best shooters in the draft, regardless of position, can defend five positions on the floor. So it's like, part of me was always like, why am I wavering a little bit? But sometimes it's just the vibe is he's missed, you know, you're missing something with the vibes and the ball handling, the finishing was, was rough, but like, he's so young, such a good work ethic. And the way he improved his jumper to the point it is, I think he'll get it to an adequate level that makes me feel comfortable going forward where he could at least create a little bit, but now he gets to be the number two option with, Mm -hmm. Jalen Green and Mm -hmm. form one of the most ridiculous two-way pick and roll or pick and pop like decisions defensively that you're going to have to make. Cause if you try to double Jalen Green, it's a pretty easy 
kick out to one of the best shooters for an open three. If you overplay the shot, then you're leaving, you know, your big man on an island with Jalen Green, which that sounds like a terrible idea in space. I'm excited for that. I love Jabari Smith's um, fit with Shangun. I thought that his fit with Paolo was clunky enough that they would have to move off from him fairly soon. But Jabari Smith and Shangun, like the inside outside combination, Oof. you know, like I love that. Absolutely love it. I big fan. And then the Rockets overall, the haul they got with Tari yeah. Eason, right, and Ty Ty late in the draft. To me, that was they they crushed it. That was a great draft for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I mean, Corey, is this this? I don't know. Maybe this is kind of outlandish for me to say, but I feel like Jabari Smith wa- walks into the league and is already one of the best shooting bigs in the league. And I don't think that's crazy to say because he's that good of a shooter. I'm not saying he's one of the best forwards in the league. I'm just saying he's one of the best shooting bigs in the league already because he's yeah. that good of a shooter. And people can give, give me crap on it, but it's fine. I, I think he's that good of a shooter. And you, as you mentioned, we've highlighted so much all uh, the other things that he does so well as well you know it, that box out that i think you posted a clip on twitter like six months ago or something like it's, yeah. it's, it's, my, it's, it's one so of my favorite long. clips of the entire cycle and it literally Crazy. it was just a box out <laughs> exactly but it was you feel the energy the intensity the 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 fundamentals of his game like he is so clearly a former player's son you know like just the yeah. way that he plays the game so i i think all that is great tari easton's a guy that you've been higher on uh that i like as well and for them to grab him where they got grabbed him, what he'll offer them defensively with the versatility that, and even offensively, there's a lot more to his game that I think he's going to be able to blossom into. And I think he's a better shooter than people are going to give him credit for. And then, as you mentioned, Ty Ty Washington, you know, he's not playing with five, nine severe Wheeler anymore. Yeah. And he's going to be, he's going to be given some different opportunities in Houston. I don't think he's going to be uh, the starting point guard from day one, but He's the 29th pick in the draft, and he was highly regarded coming into college, went to Kentucky, and I think there's still a lot there. He struggled with injuries, obviously. Um, also played next to Severe Wheeler, as I mentioned, which sure. is not easy for anybody. <laughs> um, but I, I think they got really good value. And also, we have to mention, Jabari Smith is great value. He was a guy that most people thought was going to go number one, and mm-hmm. they got him at number three. That's good value. The difference, I mean, from one to three is a huge margin if you consider how much draft capital you'd have to give up to go from three to one For right, sure. in, in the opposite way. So to get the guy that they may have rated number one in the draft and got at number three, that's great value for them as well. So I agree with you. That's a good haul for for uh, the Rockets. And I love the future capability of Jabari and Tari Eason to you know to play small and go four five with Tari at the four and Jabari Smith at the five and get out run you know get downhill like defensively you could switch everything uh in the long run i i think it it takes a lot off of uh tari's shoulders for him to like if he went lottery maybe teams were would be expecting him to come in as like a potential you know offensive hub down the line but i think this takes the pressure because jalen's the hub jabari is the hub you know so i i think that he can come in ultimately just be like a, a number three guy who does you know makes smart cuts off ball gets out in transition attacks closeouts and shoots open jumpers. Like it's a really great role for him to go into things got wonky uh, with the Kings at four and the Pistons at five, but that's how I think most of us felt at no ceilings that it was actually yeah. going to go on draft night. Like we weren't shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to a showcase in, in Manhattan a week before the draft talking to NBA scouts and they were like, 
we don't know what the Kings are going to do, but our best guess is the fact that these guys have a mandate to win. They're probably going to go with somebody who is a little bit more ready to contribute to uh, winning rather than have, you know, betting on the potential. They traded for Sabonis. They just moved off of Halliburton. It seemed like Keegan Murray was the move they were going to go barring some unforeseen circumstance where like Chet or Paolo or Jabari slipped to them because Jaden, you know, stuck into the top three himself. So it wasn't shocking. Honestly, to me, it was the right move. Um, I ultimately at the end of the day moved Keegan ahead of Jaden Ivy on my board. So I, I just love the mentality he plays with. Uh, I love his, how his game translates to the modern NBA. I think ultimately he's going to be one of the best players in this draft. And he's the kind of guy that the Kings need to draft. The, this is the, the kind of guy that moves your franchise franchise forward in a, a real tangible way. So um, I thought it was a smart move. And then Jaden Ivey to the Pistons. I get that too. I get that too. So, you know, I think that my thing with Jaden is anybody who's comparing him to John Moran, I get it. They score in very similar ways. But what makes John Morant, John Morant, is the fact that he's also one of the best playmakers in the entire fucking league. Yeah. yeah. Jaden Ivey is so far away as a decision right. maker, in my opinion, that to have put the ball in his hands and say, you're, you're the point guard, go make plays, would be a disaster. And it would be, mm. ultimately, I don't know if it would hurt or help his development long term. Yeah. Maybe you can make the Zach Levine argument and say, like, Zach Levine is better as a playmaker, but I think he would have gotten better regardless and gotten to this point, regardless of the fact that he was able to play point guard as a a rookie. So having Cade there to now on that offense, right? Right. Letting Cade make the decisions, handle the majority of the ball, ball handling, and then let Jaden Ivey just focus on getting into the teeth of the defense, scoring, getting out in transition, adding athleticism to a team that really needed a a jolt of athleticism and, and shit. They really, got more athletic in this draft with Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, yeah. and Gabriel yeah. Prachita. <laughs> they fucking just, yeah. they are bouncy as all hell now. So uh, to me now, this is the ideal developmental situation for him. For me, it was like either go to Detroit or Indiana where he could either play off of Halliburton or Cade, guys who are more comfortable making decisions with the ball in their hands. Dude, I 100% agree. That... <sighs> I really like what you said because I think that's – I don't think I heard enough people talk about that in saying that Ivy is a couple levels – yeah, a couple levels behind Moran as a playmaker. And once again – yeah, <laughs> once again, which is why it's such a great situation that he ended up in because Cade is such an advanced playmaker. And a guy who is, he went number one last year for a reason, everybody. I hope everyone realizes that now after early in the season, people were talking about like, oh, Evan Mobley should have went first. I'm like, well, um, maybe pump the brakes a little. Cade's going to be just fine. And so uh, Cade is going to be an unbelievable partner for Ivy. I think that's really exciting. Getting Duran for the whole Knicks uh stuff uh is great too great for them too a- athletic big who i think has more uh than he's given credit for as you've talked about Corey a ton uh that's an interesting call and then prochita prochita is awesome if you guys haven't watched any prochita yet be ready and when you watch him play you're gonna be very excited go watch his stuff right now wherever you can find it he's a very well, not right very now if you're, wa- if you're watching live continue Sorry. watching us <laughs> pay attention to us <laughs> 
<laughs> and listen to what I have to say. Uh, but no, I, I agree. I think that's a great haul for them. Um, obviously, Ivy is a lot of fun and he's in a great situation where he's not going to be asked to do way too much, in my opinion. So uh, once again, Prachita, really fun. Guys, just trust us on this. Like you might be like, oh, who's this Euro guy? He's a super freak athlete who can shoot the ball and he has good size. And yeah, Prochida, right? As <laughs> Ryan Rosillo is just absolutely in love with saying his name right now <laughs> and throws it in on every pod. But uh, yeah, Prochita's awesome. You guys are going to love him if you're a Detroit fan. Uh, and uh, overall, great haul. Great. And I love, I love that Detroit is building a big team. This is the yeah. direction of the league, right? So it's like right. you can go Jaden Ivey, Cade, Prochita, who's like 6'8", Sadiq Bay and Jalen Duran and play this modern game with floor spacing and slashing and switchable defenders. I really, really yeah. love what Detroit is building and they're rocking the, the teal retros next year. Let's if I, go. Don't, I can't wait. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, I might have to get myself a Prochita, you know, horse, oh. you know, Grant Hill style uh, Pistons <laughs> Jersey next year. But I, I love that team, and I think it's the that's the right spot for for Jaden Ivey, and I like that they went and said Jalen Duran's our guy. Yeah, let's let's uh let's go get him. Let's go yeah. get him. All right, let's take a, a quick break, and then we'll hit to the chat and, and move on. All right, we're back. If, if you. You're watching live. It's like we never went anywhere. <laughs> um, let's see. We had a, a question about Shaden Sharp in the chat. Uh, Charlotte Fan DH said, where do y'all have Sharp on your boards? I think he would have been perfect in Indiana. So I'll, I'll let you go first. Where was Sharp on your board? Uh, I actually don't have my board up, but I can get it. Here we go. My On my board, I had Shaden Sharp at Jesus Christ. I have this. Give me one second. Okay. I had Shaden Sharp at eight. So, yeah. Right he, about I had, he went. Yeah. Where did he go again? Let's see. He went seventh to Portland. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, I had Sharp at eight. Um, I understand if you wanted him on the Pacers. Uh, I think if you've been listening to our pod, you know how I feel about Benedict Matherin. Not that I hate him, but... Uh, at six, I thought there were, in my opinion, better options than Benedict Matherin. But I also understand why the Pacers did what they did. The Pacers just decided to go with a classic Rick Carlisle type of class. And they took a bunch of adults and guys who I think Rick Carlisle is going to be able to trust to play important minutes, hopefully. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they took Matherin here at six and Nemhard at 31. Mm -hmm. So I understand it. But um, for me, like I would have much rather have Johnny Davis they're at that spot. That's just my opinion. You can hate me. I don't care. Um, and yeah, even like sharp, I would, I wouldn't have minded them taking a shot on sharp, but, um, yeah, anyway, that's how I feel. Uh, I had him at seventh on my board and it's mostly because I chickened out because I actually had him as high as third on my board for a lot of, once he kind of, he declared for this draft, I, I had him pretty high. I just think, watching the way he moves on the court, how effortlessly he scores, how effortlessly he gets a shot up, his bounce, his frame. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to look at him and not get really excited. You know, I, again, I, I talked to a scout of a team who was like, if you can't see how fucking talented this kid is, then this job is not for you. Right. So that's apparent. It's just with such limited information, 
Um, and everyone was really tight lipped. Like I did some, I tried doing some digging and I couldn't get like the answers I was looking for out of people. So ultimately for me, it was like, there's only so much tape. It's AAU style. There's no like real substance in his tape other than just the amount of potential that's oozing out of him. And uh, I just couldn't really get solid Intel. So for me, it was just like, and also he had a disastrous media tour. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. again, that's okay. These kids are young. LaMelo had a disastrous media tour too. And he's been pretty good in the NBA, I'd say. Right. Uh, you agree with that? Maybe. Um, <laughs> So that's not the end of the world, but if there's anybody who knows all of these questions that I had about Jaden Sharp, it was Mike Schmitz, <laughs> like the guy who has seen him and been around him and been in the gym with him. Right. So I trust that this was the right decision. I had, mm-hmm. I felt like Sharp was going to the Blazers leading up to the draft, but um when it happened i was like okay like he's going for it because yeah you know i know that like dyson daniels was a guy that that front office really coveted so and dyson daniels is a guy that fits the way the modern nba is played and and Mm -hmm. the guy who contributes to, to winning at a high level so to pass up on that which seems like much more of a sure thing for a guy like shaden sharp who a lot of people feel is uh a risky bet you have to be confident in all of the other stuff. And yeah. I'm confident with that pick. Now I'm confident in Dame's ability to be a leader for him. I'm confident yeah. in the Blazers developmental process. Anthony Simons has turned into a really great player. So, and Shaden Sharp, in my opinion, is, has a lot more natural talent just because he's got a you know, he's bigger frame. Right. Um, and that matters at this level. So I'm kind of okay with him going there. I, you know, it's not going to shock me if he ends up being one of the, three best players in the draft because the talent is oozing oozing out of him um our guy peewee the plug hey says favorite undrafted signings and why do you guys feel like Jaden hardy dropped so so low so let's start with favorite undrafted signings uh albert who is your favorite undrafted signing uh, my favorite undrafted signing was a guy who I thought the Knicks should have taken at 42 and somehow ended up falling out of the draft. Uh, his name is Justin Lewis from Marquette. Um, him going to the Bulls, I thought was phenomenal. Uh, the fact that the Bulls walked away with Dale and Terry at 18 and then also got Justin Lewis, who I think I had a first round grade on or an early second round grade on him for them to get him as an undrafted free agent, I thought was phenomenal value. Unbelievable, unbelievable value in my opinion. Um, are we doing the Hardy thing first or, or yeah? Well, anyway, I'll go with my guys too. For sure. We'll, for sure. We'll yeah. So Hardy. Justin, so yeah, Justin Lewis for me, I think he's a guy who offensively showed a ton. He can even post a little bit, show stuff in the mid range. I think three point shooting is going to be there defensively. I think he's going to also develop even more. I think physique wise, I think he could, I think he's a little doughy, but in an NBA program, I think he's just going to just, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I think he's going to tighten up a little bit and he's going to be even better. So I think the Bulls got an absolute gem in Justin Lewis as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I mean, you could see my reaction live on the stream, on the draft night stream, as we were announcing like the free agent signings. I'm a Bulls fan. And Justin Lewis was, I had a first round grade on him. I thought he was like a guy that Miami should have took at 27 and the Bulls right. got him uh, as an undrafted free agent two-way deal. Like that was my favorite trying to be uh, as unbiased as possible. He was the highest guy ranked on my board who didn't get drafted. 
so that was my favorite. I also really liked the Alondis Williams. I think he's a good guy to take a bet on uh, for Brooklyn. Uh, I like, I actually like the Jan Montero for the Knicks. Jan Montero is a guy that I've stayed high on the, the whole process. Uh, weird situation with the overtime elite, but he was really good overseas, like high pedigree guy, feisty defender, doesn't get credit for it. And everybody says that Trevor Keels was like classic Tibbs guy, Trevor Keels. And it's like, actually Keels is not a classic Tibbs guy. You know, who's a classic Tibbs guy, Jan Montero. Jan Montero is the classic Tibbs guy. He's mm-hmm. the small shifty point guard that can get his own shot and competes defensively. Now, does that mean that that type of player is valuable in this day and age? I don't know. He's got a lot to overcome with that size, but uh, Tibbs had no problems, you know, running with John Lucas uh, yeah. when Derrick Rose was out and finding ways to win games. Nate Robinson. These are mm-hmm. all um, like decisions that like Tibbs would like, this is a, that's a Tibbs guy, not, not Trevor mm-hmm. Keels, who I like, who I like and think is good value. He's super young. When I saw him opening night of the college season, honestly, I, I saw probably a third of, you know, the, like the top 60 ish guys live this year and not one of them impacted a game the entire year, the way Trevor Keels did against Kentucky opening right. night. the energy, right. the, the garden was rocking, mm-hmm. absolutely rocking that night. Mm-hmm. And his energy was palpable. You felt it. He had an impact. So I'm fine taking that bet in the second round. I also saw him in, the, uh, at the Barclays center against Miami and yeah. he was not good at all. So he's got a long way to go as far as his consistency. So, uh, but I, I like the Montero signing. Um, Trevion Williams, the guy I'm high on, and yeah. the Celtics signed him to a summer league contract. So mm-hmm. I think teams feel he has a lot to prove as far as how he's going to be able to defend. But I think he's one of the best passers in the entire draft. And yeah. he's a great rebounder. I think he's got really quick hands, oven mitts. But mm-hmm. the way that he can, you can run offense through him, I think is legit. And if he can show consistently, like he did at the combine, that he can space the floor, I think he's going to have a pretty decent NBA career. Moving mm-hmm. on to Hardy, why did we? Why do you think he dropped, Albert? Um, jeez. Um, I think, in my opinion, well, first off, the G League season they played like what 12, 13 games, something like that, right? It wasn't too crazy. Well, no, it was more. I there was only was like that many games were available to like okay. general public for stats, but they, they played more. Than That's that. true. I think it's a couple of things. He he started off the season really rough and no one's going to deny that. Corey, you said it yourself. You went to see him live and he went for like one for 11. Oh, so over 11. Over it's, probably 11. The, it's probably the worst game he's ever played in his life at any level. He was over so, 11. Couldn't hit right. anything like turn yeah. the ball over. It was, yeah. it was a terrible terrible game for him. <laughs> so so i get it right he had a really rough start to his season but i think the reason why i was so high high on hardy and the reason why i never dropped him out of my top 10 which is crazy to think about now because i had him at let me see i had him at number nine uh, on my big board and then he ended up going like 38 or whatever however late he went but yeah. I, I just feel like people focused on a lot of the bad and kind of, it, this is just my opinion, right? I really feel like they refuse to focus on the good. And what I mean by good is not necessarily even like the long distance shooting, but it was the development. And I've talked about this a million times already. He showed incredible growth. 
by the end of the season, the playmaking, right. The patience, the, uh, the vision, all that stuff. Like I, th- I thought he really developed as an on ball guy. And I think ultimately teams may are may not be seeing the vision in that, uh, Although he didn't develop into an incredible on-ball guy, the fact that he developed at all speaks a lot to him as a player and as a developmental piece. And also the fact that even if he has a little bit, then you have a guy who can be a secondary secondary creator on your team, who also, by the way, happens to shoot the ball from the parking lot and has a great physique as well. I think physically he's a guy who's really going to develop even more. He's got gigantic shoulders. I think he's going to become more physical over time. That's just my opinion. Um, but I really do believe it. I think he's only going to get more physical, which is why I got a lot. Of, I, I know no one agrees with me, but I comped him to Gilbert Arenas for that reason, because I think right now he may not be as physical as Gilbert was going to the rim or whatever. But I think that may be in his future. Uh, also, I'm not saying that he's going to have the same career or anything like that. I just, you know, how comps go. So uh, that was my thing with Hardy and why I never dropped him out of my top 10, because I, I'm still a huge believer in him. Um, I think he ended up in a good situation, though, in Dallas playing next to Luca. Now he's not going to play next to Luca from day one. He may not even get a lot, a ton of minutes in season one, but over time, I think as he develops in the NBA, uh, that doesn't seem like a bad situation where you have a guy like Luca, who's going to be making all of your major decisions, but having Hardy develop into that secondary guy might be an absolutely great move for them. And especially with his shooting as well. So um, is how I feel about Hardy. I ultimately, I mean, he was my number one guy coming into the year. I believed in his shot creation. Uh, I believed in his his range, how smooth his shot was. As he made the jump to a professional league, and this is a kid, he didn't play in the FIBA U19s, right? He's not, COVID ha- occurred while he was in high school. So developmentally, that is going to be something that you have to take in consideration with him as well. There wasn't a, a ton of high-level hoops compared to some of the other guys right so he jumped right into a professional league with nba guys who were going at the g league ignite guys every single night because this is the tape that every nba lottery team is watching every game every game every minute of right they want to scout all of the g league ignite guys because they're probably going to go first round ish so all the guys that are playing against them are trying their best to give the g league ignite guys the business right and and play their best ball so they're getting the best of their opponents every single night it didn't shock me that jaden started slow when i talked to somebody about jaden before that season start there started um they went they watched all the g league ignite guys work out at practice and i was like how they look and they were like you know decent crop this this year nothing like last year some interesting pieces and i was like okay that's interesting because i loved hardy and i was like he maybe he having him as my number one guy i was like well jalen green anthony edwards like these shooting guards go high up so if he you know makes the the kind of leap that i think he's capable of i think he could go in the top five when he started off slow you know i'm asking he's like talent the same guy i'm like so what's up with Hardy? He's like talented mm-hmm. kid doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. So basically, you know, he's saying like, he's got all the talent in the world, but he's going to take time to put it together. He's got to learn the game. And you saw, like you mentioned, he got way better at the end of the year than he was at the beginning of the year. He's shooting right. it with confidence more, not looking as sloppy and loose with the ball, still decision-making stuff that he needs to, you know, fix. But where I ultimately got to was I had Malachi Branham and Jaden Hardy back to back. Hmm. And Malachi Branham was a really popular 
name leading up to the draft as this, you know, guy who had this awesome offensive season, right. but still had question marks on that end because there wasn't a ton of volume from the three point line. And that's kind of something he's going to have to, he's going to have to have more confidence in letting it fly um, from the three point line, because that's the kind of role that is going to allow him to thrive. And then defensively, I thought he was worse than Jaden Hardy was against college right. kids. So I was like, right. They're in the same tier for me. So I don't know why Jaden slipped all the way to 37 when he's a guy who I think is actually probably easier to project going forward, playing without mm. the ball in his hands, in a, right. you know, because he's going to be a high volume three point shooter. And I think he's really good moving without the ball. Um, like really good running off pin downs through zippers through, you know, off flares, like just as a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. And then he started showing some of that, on ball equity that's not going to be his bread and butter in the nba now going to dallas one i hope it puts the chip on his shoulder i hope it puts that gilbert arenas chip on his shoulder like right. yo i was a i was the dude coming into the year and you let me fall to the second round now nah, fuck that shit like i'm gonna show you what's up but Love he's it. never gonna get the opportunity to go in and play with the ball in his hands and chuck away it doesn't i don't mm. care if jalen brunson goes to the knicks he's not gonna be the shot creator on that team right right but he's gonna be able to have one of the best passers in the entire NBA find him in actions that allow him to get easy shots off ball. That's the kind of thing that I'm really excited about to see how he develops playing with a playmaker like Luca, who's going to allow him to get a ton of easy looks. Uh, So ultimately I think it's a good thing, but like, do I think that if I was Miami, would I have rather taken Jaden Hardy over Nikola Jovic? A hundred percent of the time for me, would I have done that? I would have rather the Grizzlies taken a shot on him at 23 than David Roddy, um, who I even like, you know, I, I would take Jaden Hardy uh, for the Spurs over Blake Wesley, who a lot of Mm -hmm. people like, you know, like there are a ton of guys who I would have taken Hardy over in the back uh, of that draft. Um, But ultimately he slipped, you know, even for, you know, like some of the teams in the early second round, like for the Pacers. Yeah. Nemhard's cool, but like Halliburton's playing 35 to 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Right. Hardy would have been interesting there. So I, you know, but he's going to a good spot. So I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with mm-hmm. it ultimately. Like, cause I think it'll be good for him. I no, I'm with you, man. Like Roddy was a guy who had 54th. So I was definitely not that excited for them, for the Grizzlies taking him where they took him, but I, I get it. He's like a weird body guy. He's, really physical and strong and athletic and can shoot a little bit. I, I, I understand. I understand. I think, I just think there's kind of like a novelty to him. Like I just, I don't know. I just didn't, I don't, I don't, I don't love the frame. Don't love the size, whatever, but uh, it's cool. Memphis did their thing. He, Obviously I, they have a, I think he, um, it could be an interesting fit with Jaron Jackson. For sure. For sure. I understand that. Um, And ultimately like with Memphis, like they're, I like, I kind of like what they're doing, kind of just taking a bunch of shots in the draft and, you know, not worrying too much about like slot or whatever. I mean, they took Zaire last year and they don't really care. And he played for them and played pretty well mm-hmm. for them too. So respect to Jake, you guys. Right? Jake LaRavia is going to be great for yeah, them. LaRavia is unbelievable. You know, I had the weirdest thing happen to me the other, other day. Like I had a dream that LaRavia actually went to the Bucks instead of uh, the Grizzlies. And I, I woke up like all excited for the Bucks, <laughs> then realized that it was a dream. So obviously I'm way too invested in this draft stuff, but really quickly, Corey, before we move on I, or whatever, um, I did want to say, I also really like what OKC did with their undrafted free agents. Like I know they're, they're not like big marquee names and they may never, never even stick with their squad, but guys like Gabe Brown, I kind of liked Gabe Brown 
like big guy, big wing, could shoot it a little bit. Um, I thought even defensively, like there's more to him there. Um, and then they even took a shot on Jaden Shackelford, who obviously I don't know if he, he's ever going to be an NBA player, but I liked when I did watch him play, how he was never afraid to shoot and he could shoot mm-hmm. pretty damn well too. So I thought those were two interesting shots that they took in undrafted free agency that who knows, like, especially like a guy like Gabe Brown, like you could see him easily become an NBA player one day with that size and length and, you know, with the shooting potential with him. So I kind of, I didn't mind what they did considering what they did already with their first and second round pick. So, yeah. Yeah. They, they did well. They did really yeah. well. The 14, 15, 16 spot. Ochai, Baji, Mark Williams, AJ Griffin. Abaji went to the Cavs. Williams went to the Hornets. Griffin went to the Hawks. Um, I'll start with AJ because AJ, yeah. I had third on my board. Uh, still, still kind of shocked he fell out of the lottery. And yeah, it to me, I'm I've been trying to talk myself around it. Because his baseline is a guy who shoots, what, 45% from three and doesn't ever turn the ball over and Mm. makes smart cuts and is going to be able to, in my opinion, uh, opinion, switch up and down a lineup defensively. Mm. And he's like one of the youngest players in the entire draft with a high pedigree. So I digress on how teams let that happen. I think it's going to come back and bite a lot of them in the ass. Uh I can't imagine NBA front offices were worried that like we're looking at him like, you know what? I don't think he has any wiggle and could create with the ball in his hands without being smart enough to know what he did in high school. And then also mm-hmm. the context of his college season. So that was weird for me. Um, if there were really bad medicals, okay, I get it, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a back problem. Right. So right. if it's not a back thing, I'll kind of, take a shot before that so i i think the hawks extremely good value there great value uh and then mark williams uh we have a, a piece coming out tomorrow if you're lis- watching this live if you're listening to it in the morning it'll be up as you're listening to this on like best fits and mark williams was my my best fit of the draft yeah. for charlotte just as a guy who's gonna go and be the defensive anchor on a team they no longer have to trot out a Plumley or a zeller brother as their yeah. center they can actually have a legitimate piece moving forward who is going to fit with LaMelo as a rim runner, as a guy who puts gravity on the rim as a, a lob threat, uh, a, a garbage man, and then defensively is going to be able to clean up the mess that the entire Hornets perimeter defense leaves for him. And then I love Abaji in Cleveland. Like Abaji yeah. was another guy. I had him, he, he finished at 11 on my board uh, because I think he's got some potential to develop on ball. He's got really good size. He's strong super athlete i think he's almost underrated in this draft Mm -hmm. athletically at this point Mm -hmm. and he could shoot in a variety of ways and oh yeah he's a fucking winner which you know is valuable to me i don't know it's not valuable to everybody but to me it's it's valuable so uh, start wherever you want with with that crop of guys well first off i want to piggyback off of what you said because something i said before the draft and i'm going to say it again for everybody to hear i think ochai baji is a better athlete than benedict matherin so take that to the bank um, do whatever you will. Like, I really believe that. And everyone talks about Matherin as some elite athlete. I'm like, have you seen Otai Baji jump? It's unreal. It, it's, it's freaky. So I love Ochai. I love, I love the fit. I love 
that he's kind of an in-between guy, as we as I talked about before. You know, they have all these giants and all these little guys, and now they add Ochai. So I love it. I think he's going to be a really good shooter. Such a good fit a next to really ex- to Garland and yeah, and Mobley. What he's going to do for them defensively as well, and just the basketball IQ that he has. And like I heard Rosillo talk about Ochai, and he was like giving all the all the credit to Bill Self, and I'm like, cool. Like Bill Self is a really good coach and he coached them up really well, but you still need the guys to execute whatever it is that's being taught. And we've seen time and time and again, all these teams that have great coaches that have good plans and their players can't execute. And the fact that Ochai consistently did, and that team did, I think they deserve a lot of credit as well. So I love Ochai and that fit. Mark Williams obviously is a gigantic human being who is not just gigantic, but he's agile as well. And he's going to offer, he's just their new anchor defensively, which is fantastic. And what they straight, up did not have so that's great value as well and then at 16 like you said um wait who went 16 aj griffin aj griffin is unbelievable i had aj griffin at number six on my board not as high as you but six and 16 is very different um the hawks got great value there and a guy who may end up becoming who knows like maybe he becomes our best player one day and I, I know that's crazy to say because I have Trey Young and other guys, but I don't think it's impossible that that happens. And I think the fact that they got him at 16 is phenomenal. And on top of that, Corey, two picks after that, I think we should talk about it because your Chicago Bulls mm. took my favorite player in this draft, Dalen Terry. Yes. And I saw the press conference and I saw him wearing that 25 jersey. Yes. And for the first time in a while, I thought, Okay, all I own is Nick jerseys, but do I take the plunge <laughs> and buy a Chicago Bulls 25 Dale and Terry jersey because it looks phenomenal? And I think the fit is fantastic. Lonzo struggled with injury a little bit last year, but even if Lonzo's healthy, to bring a guy like Dale and Terry off the bench to provide you guys with playmaking and defense and energy and competitiveness and the length, he's got a seven plus foot wingspan at six, seven, and he can move like hell and he can see everything on the court is incredible and i am so happy for you dale and terry came in picked 25 paying homage to benji williams chicago mm-hmm. legend mm-hmm. as a homage to steve kerr yep played at arizona and wore 25 for the bulls came in on his first day wearing some jordan sevens the kid gets it he's it's already funny. won over the city of chicago in understanding the history uh, and the basketball culture there. But yeah, man, I, I'm so excited. I am so excited. I, I feel like I manifested it. I texted an NBA uh, scout months before he even declared, asking what the deal was. I was like, I'm starting to get visions of Dalen Terry in a Bulls jersey. Is he even going to come out? He was like, eh, I've heard he's not coming out, yep. but yep. we'll see. He, I, I would bet that he is. Low-key might be Arizona's best prospect. Again, that's with Coloco, Matherin, you know, like, so when he decided to declare, we were all big fans. You wrote an awesome piece on him, all the things that he does. And uh, for the Bulls to land him, I was pumped. I was pumped. You know, last year we went, we went to Brooklyn. The Bulls didn't have a first round pick. Uh, They got IO in the second round. Now they got Dalen Terry in, in the lottery. They signed Justin Lewis to the the two-way contract and then they drafted pat williams i'm starting to see a pattern on the kind of guys that the bulls are valuing um which are long versatile athletic switchy guys this is the future of the league this is where the league is heading guys that can they're positionless they can just 
find ways to impact on the basketball court. I love his energy. Uh, I think he's going to push guys. I think he's going to get on the court as a rookie. I think his size is going to allow him to do that. I am freaking pumped. This is one of the most exciting draft picks for for me personally uh, as a Bulls fan in a while. And I think we're going to look back and, and Dale and Terry is going to have guys wishing that, you know, they took him in the lottery in, in the long run. I, I, I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy for me because I feel vindicated <laughs> in my assessment of him because I absolutely loved Dale and Terry and he yep. ended up really high on my board as well. Interestingly. Yeah. He ended up 16 on my board. So I'm, I'm freaked. I'm freaked out for you. I'm really happy. And I think he, and like you said, Corey, like it just feels like you guys are doing the smart thing where uh, you're just adding versatile, long athletic wings. And that's a really smart way to build a team, uh, an NBA team in 2022. So that's phenomenal. I'm happy for you. And I'm strongly considering getting a Terry Jersey because I freaking love the guy. <laughs> and uh, maybe you should, because you know, you've been rocking with him from the jump. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta support him now. You know, at the I, I feel like there's some good juju with the Terry's and no ceilings. So, you know, it's, we all support one another. Uh, what did you think of the Nuggets drafting Christian Brown at 21? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they took Brown at 21 and then Watson at 30, right? Yeah, so, so they, they made the swing at 30. Yeah, and love it. Went- love it. Love it. I, I think Brown is a guy who is going to, I and mean, he, I think Brown's taller than I realize. He's like what a legit, like six, six, right? Six, yeah. Five, six, 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 seven. I think. Yeah. Like probably shoes. Good, yeah. Good size. I think he's going to be a really good shooter, playmaker, fierce, really fierce, like really like tough competitor. Yeah. Another he's a Kansas guy. Yeah. Another, another Kansas guy. Winner. Another guy who won a title, played with Ochag Baji, definitely rubbed off on him. Hit big shots. Hit big shots, good athlete. I think uh, getting him where they got him is good, smart. Uh, he, I, he ended up 26th on my board, and I think he went with well, 21, so I have no problem with that. And then uh, they took the home run swing on a guy that yep. you and I really like, Rucker Loves. I, I saw him play live, and I loved – I was there for his best game of the season in Peyton Watson, and a guy who is – I think he's going to be an absolute freak of a defender. Like he's going to be a guy in a couple of years where you're like, dear God, I do not ever want to see that guy again. Like teams are just going to absolutely hate play uh, playing against him because I think he's going to be that good of a defender, like instincts on that guy. Plus the freakish length and the way that he moves laterally at that size is pretty unreal. So, um, I don't know. Like I I heard, uh, I was talking to Evan actually, and Evan was saying that people were giving Denver crap for their draft. And I'm like, um, Christian Brown's really good, and uh, Peyton Watson might be an absolute freak in a couple of years. I think you guys should be excited, is how I feel. So that's my message to Denver Nugget fans out there. In my opinion, you guys had a really good draft, and I think you should be excited for the future with uh, the team that you already have, and you're getting back some veterans who have been hurt for some time now to add these young guys who are, you know, you kind of you're kind of taking the home run swing on both of them uh, is a really interesting place to be. So I actually like what uh, Denver did a lot. Watson, I think I've said it on this podcast, but I'm not 100% sure. I've definitely said it to some of the no ceilings guys. And I'm going to be very careful so my words aren't misinterpreted here. Yeah, because I know. Yeah. Offensively, I'm not talking about that side right. of the ball. This is it's not offense. And he's smaller. But defensively, just watching him move on the floor, 
he reminds me of the way Anthony Davis moves. Again, I don't think he's going to turn into Anthony Davis. I don't think he's a generational prospect. But the way that he moves defensively, again, he's smaller, so that matters. But I think that they move very similarly on the floor. The kinesthetics of their body, that's what he reminds me of defensively. And if he could be the wing version of that, I think that's awesome. And I think he's got the potential to do that. If he ends up being the high school guy who was able to play with the ball in his hands a little bit and turns into a little bit of a scoring threat too, even better. But all he's going to need to do is run in transition, cut, and knock down open shots because Nikola Jokic is going to be the guy who is doing all of the creating for that team. Jamal Murray is going to do the creating for that team. Just do the little things, and you'll. I think he could find a way on the court in a couple of years. Christian Brown is a guy that I wasn't as high on as a lot of the no ceilings guys were, but for all of the reasons that you like Ochai, the winning mentality, the he hits yeah. big shots, he's got the attitude. Uh, I really like him going to Denver as a fit there because they're a team who's trying to get over the hump. They don't need, and they took their home run swing at 30. So they, they wanted to get a piece that they think could be a cheap guy on their books going forward because their contracts are going to start adding up. And hopefully he's going to improve his shot enough that he could knock down open shots which playing off of Jokic, you're going to get a ton of open shots. He's athletic uh, in transition, and he's not going to have to create his own shots. So he can just do the little things, play a similar role to what he did at Kansas. So I like it for them because he's gritty. He's a good perimeter defender. They need some of that. He's switchable in that regard. So I, I like it for them there. Yeah, I exactly. I, I love it a lot. They had a good draft. I think if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, relax. Obviously, maybe you're hoping for somebody. I don't know who you're hoping for at those slots, but those are good players that you got a good at good draft points. So I'm cool with it. I'm really cool with it. Uh, only a couple. I just want to touch on a few like second sure. rounders before we get out of here. EJ Liddell. Yeah. God. Or Kendall Brown. Who are you more shocked dropped? as far as they did a hundred percent EJ Liddell Liddell was a guy that I thought was easily going to be in the top 20. Um, I, I almost thought it was a lock that you guys took him at 18. And I think I saw some random TikTok video of uh Chicago bulls fans watching the draft and a bunch of them were like, no, not EJ, not EJ. And I'm like, wow, you guys clearly didn't watch basketball this season because EJ Liddell was phenomenal and would have been great on that bulls team. So I don't, I just, what the hell are you guys watching? Like, I don't know what you guys are reading or watching, but EJ Liddell would have been phenomenal at 18. But yeah, you guys ended up with Dale and Terry, so that's great too. But yeah. Liddell is a guy who should have been a top 20 pick, in my opinion. He's an un... He's, I think he's another freak defensive guy. Like, I loved what he did last season as a shot blocker. Like, I posted some clips on my Twitter account. Like, some of the blocks that he had, I was just like, well, what is this? Well, what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> he's got that's that volleyball explosiveness that oh, he got from God. his mom. Mom's it's, a volleyball player. It's freakish, man. It's that the quick jump. He gets up there quick, dude, and he just absolutely tosses stuff, which I love. And then offensively, too. Like, I think there's he's going to offer a lot of uh, just a ton of versatility offensively, too. And I think he's a developing shooter. He shot like what, 36, 37% from three this past he season? Shot it well this year. Right. It could be even higher. Um, and, and don't don't worry about the size, man. He makes up for it plenty with length and athleticism. And he's a really sturdy body guy. So he was a, shock, a much bigger shock to me than Kendall Brown, because I didn't even have a first round round grade on Kendall Brown. So EJ falling as far as he did, I thought was just absolutely asinine. Me too. I, I would have been perfectly 
happy, stoked even, uh, if he did go to Chicago. Um, I had Dalen ranked a, a ahead of him, I think, yeah. but close enough. And EJ moves defensively, man. Like, it's not even just the shot blocking. Like, he's a big exactly. dude, but he moves his feet. Like, he is agile. Out, He's got soft feet. He could stick with perimeter guys. He's long. He's strong. And then, I mean, if you buy the shooting, like, I don't know. I don't know how you let him get out of the first round. He was a exactly. guy that I would have thought was a much more interesting fit than a guy like with Jaron Jackson and David Roddy. Like, mm-hmm. I would have liked that more so than you know, David Roddy. And I like David. I like David yeah. Roddy. David yeah. Roddy's interesting. He's weird. I like the weird guys. <laughs> I just, that would have been a good fit for me. I, I would have yeah. rather taken EJ than, um, Walker Kessler. Right. Jesus. You know, I, by I a did, mile for me by a mile. So I, I don't know. I, it, it's for the heat, EJ Liddell to the heat. Oh my, that would have been the spot. And look, I am a notorious Nikola Jovic hater. He can absolutely prove me wrong. I know a lot of people like him a lot. They think he's this super talented six foot 11 offensive shooter playmaker. I get it. If that's what he turns into, I'm okay missing on that. But EJ Liddell, to me, that's the kind of guy that he needed. They didn't need another offensive shooter like that. They needed a guy who could check guys in the playoffs, big wings in the playoffs, guard them a little bit better. That's I. Corey, really, really quickly, Corey, for me, what's the rationale behind not liking Liddell is what I don't understand because you watch the modern NBA and like who is the keystone, most popular first guy that comes to mind when you think about like big versatile defender, that guy's Draymond Green, mm. right? And I'm not saying EJ Liddell is Draymond Green, but wouldn't you want a guy who has like similar tools? Who can do who, who like may be able to learn and develop into a guy kind of like that, even if he's not the same? Obviously, like Liddell is a guy who, as you mentioned, moves so well and offensively can give you so much. He can be a number one option offensively, as he showed in college, right? Not that you're yeah. gonna ask him to do the same in the NBA, but if he has that much offensive ability, meanwhile, defensively can also do all that other stuff, why does he fall? I, I just can't understand the rationale behind it. Is it because he's six seven, six eight? Like isn't that a good thing? If you're at that size, it can move that well and also defend like that. I just, it, it, it boggles sense. my mind. It absolutely it boggles sense. my mind. NBA teams doing NBA team stuff. Hate that's, it. Hate that's, it. That's what it was. All right. Last team I want to touch on the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. The defending champions. Bastards. One of, one of my favorite drafts. Yeah. I was a Patrick Baldwin Jr. stockholder. He finished. 15th on my board 14th or 15th on my board he went 28th ryan rollins is a guy i you know i was probably the leader of the ryan rollins fan club wrote multiple pieces on him interviewed him we did a podcast on him he went 44th the warriors actually traded up and paid two million dollars to to trade up for him so that's a guy they valued it's not like he just dropped to them right I, I love what the Warriors did, <laughs> stockpiling this. Now, if you look at Ryan Rollins, you, I would consider Poole a young guy. Yeah. Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Wiseman. Jesus. I mean, they, they're young. Patrick Baldwin Jr., their young core is better than a lot of teams that have like gone on like major tanks. That Summer League squad is going to be special, Corey. 
going to be sick. It's going to be insane. Just to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, like you talk about a guy who Patrick Baldwin Jr. was coming into the season, one of the top guys in this class, and then has an absolute train wreck of a season playing for his dad in Milwaukee. And then the Warriors just grab him at the end of the first round. They're like, cool, kid. Uh, We like the tools that you have, and we like that you're going to be a really good shooter at 6'10". Let's give you a shot here. And um, he literally could not have ended up in a better position. Like, if he had written down a list before the draft of the top 10 places, he just would have written Golden State 10 times. And that's exactly what happened. He ended up on the Warriors, so great for him. And then uh, Ryan Rollins, same thing. If he's going to go anywhere and learn you know how to shoot the three and develop that it's probably the warriors with the guys that they have there so congrats to the warriors again for just doing more smart stuff so that must be fantastic and i mean they've already proven they could develop a guy like ryan rollins like in jordan pool like the isolation shot creation you know improvisational bucket getting guard like yeah, man. Like that is the they they knocked it out of the park with Jordan Poole. I think they got another, you know, home run in Ryan Rollins. Patrick Baldwin Jr. now is just gonna be able to be another guy with big size that could space the floor, just yeah. kick outs from all the space that Steph and uh, creates, that Clay creates, that Jordan Poole creates, Draymond finding him in scenarios like if he, he can go develop in the G League if he's not getting, you know, minutes. Um, but he's six ten with a seven what two wingspan was it It something crazy like he's a huge huge dude um i think that i would bet on his pedigree i would have bet on it earlier i like the shot in the dark i don't care that he sucked at the combine if i watch the film he moves better than like i just watched him in the fiba tournament the other day watching Mm -hmm. usa france like i wasn't like oh this guy's the worst athlete on the floor i sometimes you just gotta watch guys play basketball instead of doing the shuttle run like you know so i Huge fan, huge fan of them. Uh, I think that's, you know, we didn't cover everything, but we covered a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I, just one last thing before we go, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were not huge Blake Wesley fans. We um, were not. That's true. I think that's that's pretty fair to say. It's fair um, to say. As a Blake Wesley quote-unquote hater, as I've probably been called, uh, love the fit where he ended up. And, and yeah. like he he's a, another guy who literally like his mom must have been praying for years about this because he ended up in a great situation on the Spurs where he's got the best shooting coach in the world in Chip England who's going to teach yep. him how to shoot and he's going to be going into that Spurs infrastructure and learn how to play like an adult and uh play with you know like a level headedness that I think he was lacking at times but the biggest thing with him that you you and I went over is the touch like he was just kind of devoid of it so him ending up in San Antonio with that coaching staff and uh with the other guys that they grabbed too and Branham and um Sohan too that's a pretty good haul for them and and potentially all the assets they get from the Knicks you know (laughs) right right (laughs) <laughs> um it seems like they'll have a succession plan for after they trade DeJounte Murray to the to the Knicks so <laughs> it's going to be interesting man but I, I thought for somebody like me and you who you know didn't love Blake Wesley thought he ended up in a good position yeah to me the the two best spots for a guy like Blake Wesley to end up would have been San Antonio or New Orleans which are the two spots where with two of the most respected shooting coaches in the league he's a guy that needs to find consistency he has I love that he plays defense <laughs> You know, like he's a really feisty defender. He's a really talented space creator. Uh, He's a pretty decent passer. Mm -hmm. Not like 
run my yeah. offense passer, right. but as a guy, you know, a guy who plays off the ball, like some, like I like him as a playmaker. I like him yeah. in transition blur in, in transition. He needs yeah. to finish and he needs to shoot it. And I know for sure that San Antonio will at least help him shoot it. And at the worst case, if he can get buckets as a jump shooter, the way he creates space, yeah. he could live up to that value and outplay his draft spot in that regard. Yeah. And and I like that fit for him in San Antonio. Yeah, it worked out perfectly for him, literally. So yeah, I th- I still you. think I pr- I would rate Primo as uh, a better prospect than hmm. either of those two guys. But um, you know, well, we nothing's like guaranteed shooters, in the so. league. Nothing's guaranteed yeah. in this league. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. So agreed. Agreed. Albert, that is going to do it for Jeez. season two yeah. of the Draft Hack NBA Draft Podcast. It's going to do it. We'll be back. <laughs> I mean, we're look, we're still going to be coming to you weekly. You know, yeah. we're, we're not going on hiatus or anything. Uh, we're we're going to give you content, probably a summer league preview next week. You know, and then <laughs> yeah. you know we got summer league with the No Ceilings crew. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting to to see um, you know a bunch of people that we've had on the podcast in right. person uh if you're going to be at summer league uh you know if you're listening to this if you're watching this and you're going to be at summer league and you see the no ceilings crew make come sure you us. come say what's up man yeah make sure you come you come through say what's up we would love to meet uh all the people who have supported us and you guys have done a hell of a job supporting us more so than we could have uh imagined this year so albert tell the the people where they could find you on the world <sighs> you guys can find me at alberto gim uh on twitter uh is where you can find me it's been an absolute honor for me to be a part of this podcast and to be a part of the no ceilings crew uh during this draft cycle uh for us here at the draft act for Corey and i uh this was the second draft cycle for us and the second one was even better than the first one. And it, I, I, I don't want to speak for Corey, but I think for both of us, we're just extremely blessed and thankful for all our listeners who've been riding, riding with us from day one. Or if you just joined us today, we love you just the same. Uh, but ultimately, I think for us, we're super excited for the future and what the future uh, holds for us. And we just want to keep pumping out good content that uh, you guys enjoy. But uh, thank you again. Really appreciate all you guys. Yes, sir. You can find me at Corey Tullaba on Twitter, No Ceilings NBA on Twitter, No Ceilings NBA.com for Monday through Friday written content. Make sure you subscribe. It is free. Uh, If you want to rock some No Ceilings merch, like our guy Jalen Williams, Oklahoma City Thunder lottery pick, make sure you go to No Ceilings NBA.bigcartel.com and uh copy some fresh fresh merch and as always make sure that you rate five stars and subscribe to the draft act nba draft podcast um that's gonna do it season two we out peace peace